Welcome to the CSL Olympia podcast. In this episode, you will hear an opening prayer, followed by a talk. You can learn more about us at our website, cslolympia.org. Blessings. So please enter into prayer with me. Knowing that there is only one, this one mind, this one life, this one love, that is all that there is. It expresses itself as compassion and humility and wisdom and grace and understanding. It is that which I call this divine presence, this universal consciousness, but give it whatever name you want, God, Spirit, it does not matter. For this divine presence is in, through, and as all things. It is in everything in this fantastical arrangement that we call life. When I look up at the night sky, and I see all those constellations, I see Ursa Major, knowing that every star of that great bear is shining in through and as everything to that eternal radiance that is reflected within each one. It is in the way the rains temporarily shift the beauty of the rhododendron or the azalea, only for them to come back more invigorated, more alive with subsequent rays of sun. This divine presence is all that there is, that includes me. I could not be separated, separated out from it, despite what my perception leads me to believe. No, I am inextricably linked to that divine presence. It is within me at all times, and there is nothing that I need to do to seek it outside of myself. This is the truth of me, and this is the truth for each one here as well. That each one represents all those God qualities, all that wisdom, all that life, all that love is represented by them. Just as a seed contains the infinite potential for that plant, for that flower, for that tree, so too does each one contain the infinite potential for more of that divine presence in their life. And so it is from this place in awareness, from this place in consciousness, that I speak my word. I know that every aspect of this service today allows each one to recognize more of that divine presence in their life so that they can nurse that which has been neglected, set the table for that which has been marginalized, and smooth that which has been calloused. I know that the music here today resonates and strikes a chord deep within, jarring loose all of those things that need to be recognized and that the silence of this space allows for recognition of those parts of ourselves. And I know that the words of Reverend David allow those parts of ourselves to be fully integrated into our awareness, fully embodied in this life. And so I am grateful for this. Give nothing but thanks for this time spent in communion with God, with that divine presence, and with each one here. And I give great gratitude for that law that always says yes, 
that always responds in the affirmative. And so I release, I surrender, I give over this word to that law and to that divine presence, knowing that it is acted upon with mathematical and mechanical precision. And it was already done before this word was even spoken. I simply say, and so it is. So this whole year, we are looking at the idea of living out loud. Can I get an amen? Thank you. You know, we can live quietly, demurely, or we can be ourselves fully. Linda Bremer did a wonderful meditation this morning about embodying the star that we are and letting it shine. And so this month we're looking at the idea of seeing the light within the shadows. How many of you have experienced a shadow in your life? Yeah, okay, everybody should have their hands up. And yet, finding the light within that. And so our talk title today is Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Aww. And stars shine brightest against a dark backdrop, yes? We need that darkness in order to see the stars. I, had, I, had, I spent the last week up on Whidbey Island overlooking uh, Penn Cove, and uh, spent the uh, evenings and, and uh, early nights kind of looking up through big, massive trees at the stars in the sky above. It was just very, very wonderful. Our eyes are key to notice light. Physiologically, our eyes are there to notice light. And our attention is focused on that light, and yet it takes the darkness to see the light. We don't see the stars when we got the big bright sun shining all over the place and it's light everywhere, yes? So it has to have that darkness in order to see and appreciate the stars. So dark and light co-create together. We had an image of, a few minutes ago up here of, of the yin-yang symbol, the, the, um, the Dai Chi. And it's, it's that combination of the light and the dark to create the wholeness. Both are necessary for life to express. Our eyes prefer the light because that's what they're set up to notice. And as humans who are visually conditioned beings, we like to see the light, and we tend to see the light, not the darkness. The darkness just sort of recedes into a background. Anyone who's seen the night sky away from other light sources knows that what appears as darkness or emptiness is actually filled with billions of stars. When I lived in eastern Washington for a while, there was a particular... Uh, play, road that I would go up and over and, uh, and it was usually a, a <clears throat> bathroom break on the way home from Seattle. Uh, it was just in the middle of nowhere. There was no official bathroom. Uh, <laughs> and I'd be standing up there and here's the sky. and It's way away from any source of light. Just brilliantly being filled with, with stars that we don't see in the city. And so what appears as darkness and emptiness is actually filled with billions of stars. And as we launch telescopes into space and as we explore deeper, we see even more and more how full, quote, empty space is. We see more of the richness of the field of stars. And as we look more deeply and clearly into the darkness of the night sky, we find it richly full. And even then, physicists tell us 
Even what appears to be empty space, even what appears to be dark, is filled with energy. It's filled with forms of energy that are perceptible to the human eye, to our human senses. But empty space isn't really empty. Instead, you know, scientists talk about it's thought to consist of dark energy and dark matter, forms which don't absorb, reflect, or emit electromagnetic radiation. Thus, we don't see it, but we see the effects of this dark matter in operation in space, which helps us suspect its existence. You know, we don't see spirit, the infinite presence, the infinite source. We see its effects. Yes? So it helps us to understand its existence. And let us also consider the stars don't really twinkle. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, previously I've taken away the idea of sunrises and sunsets. They're just earth rotations. The sun isn't really <laughs> moving. And so now I'm, take, now I'm taking away the romance of twinkling stars. I'm so sorry. Stars appear to twinkle from our perspective because we view them through Earth's atmosphere. And there's wind and there's pressure changes and there's temperature changes that make them appear to go on and off. But they don't really. So why the lesson in astrophysics? When we understand that we perceive what we perceive, that we perceive appearances and not realities, it can point us to how we can deal time, with times of our own perceived darkness in our lives. We all prefer, well, most of us, all prefer light. Yes? Yeah, maybe. There's a few that would prefer darkness. I used to be a photographer, and when you're in the dark room, you prefer darkness. Yeah. We claim light as a spiritual quality and associated with joy, freedom, and the nature of the divine. And we talk about living in the light as a good and desirable thing. And yet life, and thus the infinite oneness, is not just light. Anyone who's ever been alive for more than five minutes knows there's also darkness, yes? We actually came from darkness, the darkness of our mother's womb. And since that infinite oneness is all there is, what we call darkness must also be an expression of it. Heresy, I know, as a religious scientist. Oh no, we should go for the light. Breathe. But as the song said, it's all the same stuff. The universe around us demonstrates the dance of both light and dark as expressions of the wholeness. And our reluctance to perceive darkness as anything other than empty void while being attracted to the light has, has resulted in conditioning to view light as good and darkness as bad. As empty, void, and bad from our self-centric position. Again, from our viewpoint, which is not necessarily the viewpoint that's available. There's others. And so although stars don't really twinkle on and off, we still perceive them as doing so because of our atmosphere. And it is our mental and emotional atmosphere that we carry with us that makes it appear that we are separate, that makes it appear that we are living in a universe whose support goes on and off for us. 
in its interaction with us, when in reality, that's just an appearance. Joseph Campbell, in his book, Thou Art That, says, when one is ready to see the eternal flashing, as it were, through the last work of time, one can experience mystery. When we're willing to look past the surface appearances, we can see and experience the mystery. Take a breath. Again, from our conditioned perspective, if we aren't always living in the light, we can feel cast into the outer empty darkness where there's the weeping and the wailing and the gnashing of teeth. Yes? And yet Psalm 139 out of the Christian Bible, actually out of the uh, um, Older Testament, sorry, uh, reminds us of the presence of the divine, the mystery, everywhere in in all circumstances. In part, it says, where shall I go from your spirit? If I ascend into the heavens, you are there. If I descend into Sheol, which is the underground land of the living and how it was perceived at that time. If I descend into Sheol, behold, you are there also. If I say, surely the darkness shall be as light to me, even the night shall be light before my face, and the darkness shall not be dark to you, but the night shines as the day, the darkness and the light are both alike to you, to spirit. Our outer circumstances never separate us from spirit. Breathe that in. Nothing in your life ever separates you from spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but there are things I like and prefer, and there are things I don't like and don't prefer, right? Yes? Okay. But we're never separate from spirit, even in the worst of times or the best of times. Light and dark are the same to spirit, each filled with as much life as the other. So what does this mean for us? All of us experience what we call dark nights of the soul or dark times, where we feel separate, where we feel cut off, where we feel hopeless, and they're not fun. Yes? Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. They're not fun. And yet, if we can see more clearly, if we can peer more deeply, almost with a stronger mental telescope of consciousness, we find the experience isn't really as dark, empty, and hopeless as our beliefs, clouded by our conditioning, may perceive them to be. And so as we start to drop the clouds, as we start to vaporize and and dispel the clouds of our conditioning and our ego ideas of how things should be, anybody besides me? How things should be. (laughs) Because it's hard to see the stars on cloudy nights. But as the clouds of conditioning and expectation dissipate, we see more clearly. And we see the beauty of the darkness. We see the light of the divine in the night sky. It's not as bright as during the day, and yet it's filled with a beauty of its own. Imagine that for a moment, looking up in your mind at the night sky, filled with as many stars as you can perceive. It's a different beauty than the sunny day, and yet it's a beauty of its own. So as we learn to walk in this world, perhaps with more wisdom, we come to appreciate its richness and beauty, and as we see with the eyes of spirit within, the light and the dark are alike for us. When we're perceiving life through the spirit, through our highest wisdom self, through our deepest heart center, 
the light and the dark are alike for us. And we come to appreciate that other psalm that reminds us that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to be afraid because divine guidance and divine light is always present no matter the circumstances. So our work then is to clear our vision. That's our work. To clear out our atmospheric clouding, if you will, our conditioning, our shoulds and our shouldn'ts, and recognize the darkness as not something to fear, but as a part of the creative process, seeking to experience and express more life through and as us. You and I, my friends, are both light and dark. Thomas More, when describing the dark night of the soul, said the following, if you can avoid it, do so. He said, make a whole lot of effort to do so. But if you find that you're inevitably entering this dark night, how many of you? Yeah, you slid into that no matter how hard you fight it. There it is. If you find yourself entering this dark night, embrace it and learn everything you can from the experience. And he says, you will come to the point where you will not want it to end too soon because you will want to gain everything you can from the experience. And as you come to its end, which is the hero's journey, if you will, you bring back the light that you have gained out of this experience into life itself, into your life, into the light of other, life of other people. So that Ernest Holmes kind of paraphrases Jesus when he says, I let my light shine before people that they, seeing the light, shall see the father or the mother. So this week, three spiritual practices. Did you guys get homework while I was gone? Oh. I'm going to make up for it. Three. <laughs> Number one, notice where both light and darkness exist within your life now. And embrace both, recognizing that they're alike. Recognizing that they're just different aspects of capital L life itself in the divine view. So that's the first one. Just notice where it exists and embrace both. The second practice is notice if you're carrying any shame or guilt or shoulds around places of darkness or around places of light. Sometimes we have this idea that my life shouldn't be this bright and this good and I feel ashamed or, or you know, I want to restrict it. So are we carrying any guilt, any shame, anything, uh, any shoulds around places of darkness or places of light? And then the third practice is noticing the places of ordinariness in your life. Oftentimes our ordinariness fades into the background and we're so busy on the extraordinary that we forget about the ordinary. We don't pay attention. It becomes like a night sky when you're looking at the stars. When we gaze with a clear vision of understanding into this ordinariness, what comes welling up out of the ordinariness of everything is the divinity of everything. The divine is just as present in the ordinary, 
as it is in the magnificent extraordinary. So look and see. Look and see the stars shining in the darkness throughout life. I'm going to close with a pair of quotes. This is going to take a little while. The first one is one that I've, I've used a number of times before, still one of my favorites. It comes from uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, who says, I look up at the night sky, and I know that, yes, we are part of the universe. We are in this universe. But perhaps more important than both of those facts is that the universe is in us. When I reflect on that fact, I look up. Many people feel small because they're small and the universe is big. But I feel big because my atoms came from those stars. You and I are literally stardust embodied in form. And then the second quote is from Joseph Campbell again. And he's talking about early humans and forming the myths and forming the ideas that have formed throughout our culture from them. And he says, the mysterious procession of the night sky with the wordless movement, the soundless movement, excuse me, of planetary lights through fixed stars provided the fundamental revelation of a cosmic order. The human imagination reacted from its core and a vast concept took form. The universe as a living being in the image of the great mother, within whose womb all the worlds, both life and death, had their existence. The human body is a duplicate in miniature of that cosmic form. Throughout the whole, a secret harmony holds sway. You and I are stars embodied. We need both the darkness and the light to shine. I invite you to shine. So let's say our affirmation together. Say this with me. My vision is clear. I see light and dark alike as the divine. One more time. My vision is clear. I see light and dark alike as the divine. And so it is. Thank you. I invite us to take a look at the stars around this room. Remembering that you're one of those shining stars and letting your light shine. And we go within to that infinite light that is all that there is. That infinite darkness, the richness of that darkness that is all there is. The infinite creative process constantly swirling, twirling, being, and recognizing that each of us is one of that. We are a microcosm of the macrocosm. We are individualized forms of the infinite. 
Breathe that in. We are divine. And so I speak my word that we take our divinity out into our lives this week and shine. We celebrate the darkness as a place of creativity, as a place of birthing, knowing that it is alike in the eyes of spirit. We are good, and so it is.